Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2021. Episode 333, Creatively Limited. What walls do you put up so you can bounce off of them? Presented by Jonathan Lavallee, Senfeng Lim, Paul Stefko, Bo Poplar, and Quinn Murphy. Hey there, Metatopia. You're here with the panel on Creative Limits. What walls do you put up so you can bounce off them? And we're here at the 1230 Eastern Time mark. So wherever you are in the world, I think that's like UTC minus four right now. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you've grabbed some lunch and drink and you're here with us to talk about this fascinating prospect of limiting yourself so you can actually get work done. Uh, uh, my name is Sen Fung Lim. I'm a designer, developer, and sensitivity cultural consultant from London, Ontario, Canada. I'm probably best known for games like, um, I don't know, Scooby-Doo, Escape from the Haunted Manor, and Avatar, The Last Airbender, Legends, and all that kind of stuff. So, But I'm not the most important person here today. The most important people here today are the panelists, so we're going to start with them. Uh, can I get you to introduce yourself, Mo? Hey, I'm Mo Poplar, um, designer of Shibuya Nights and forthcoming Holdfast Station. Um, yeah, I have creative constraints. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And Paul, can you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm uh, Paul Stefko. I'm a tabletop role-playing game primarily uh, designer and writer. Um, most recently, uh, I published uh, Crashing Beasts and Crumbling Halls, a uh, fate-based uh, dungeon fantasy game, but I've also done work for uh, Evil Hat, uh, Pelgrane Press, Atlas Games. Um, yeah. Well, cool. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Quinn Murphy. Hi, uh, Quinn Murphy. Um... I am a tabletop uh, designer, um, uh, various things. Um, uh, my one sort of uh, indie game I have out now is uh, Community Radio, um, uh, sort of like a, a Night Vale-based um, sort of uh, improv RPG. Um, I also uh, do lots of freelance um, stuff I've got out uh, recently published uh, for Paizo um, in the Strength of Thousands Adventure Path, uh, spoken on the song Wind. And... Uh, that adventure and also um, uh, part of the, I think, newly backed, um, uh, just just backed uh, Iron Kingdoms uh, game uh, uh, beyond uh, supplement beyond the Borderlands. I'm writing an adventure for that, um, and then a bunch of other stuff. Very cool. I just before we start, I do have to tell you that one of my constraints was not making a game because Quinn Murphy already did it. Uh, <laughs> Banana <laughs> Chat and I, we were totally talking about, hey, what if we had this game where, or I was thinking, where were you like, like uh, you're a call-in talk show uh, radio DJ type person? And she said, have you ever heard of Quinn Murphy? <laughs> so it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, there's a constraint right there. Uh, so today we're here talking about constraints, like limits, boundaries that we set for ourselves, or that are put upon us. Um, before we were, when we were just kind of in the green room chatting about stuff, Quinn mentioned a couple things like, what does success look like? What does done look like? Um, Mo, can you tell us what constraints you put on yourself? Um, have you put any on yourself? How did they help you? How did they hinder you? Um, I think for me, biggest constraints are kind of why I'm making games. Um, mm -hmm. I'm making games for the, the RPG community and for people who maybe aren't traditional to the RPG community. So um, a lot of my design style really starts with kind of inviting people in and maybe not leading with crunch. Um, so there is a huge um, uh, anime um, kind of zeal in the african-american community and a lot of people want to talk about the anime a lot of people want to talk about the manga a lot of people want to talk about the culture and um they have liked my games <laughs> so <laughs> there's a certain point where it's like how do you invite people who haven't gamed before who aren't your traditional gaming or audience um into rpgs and so that means you're you're leading 
you're 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 organizing your books. You're designing things in a, a slightly different way. You're maybe sometimes over-explaining things, and uh, it needs to be a lot more readable than um, a lot of RPG products, in my opinion. Okay, so one of the constraints that you have is an audience that is maybe not as savvy right out of the gate. So right. you're saying that that has been a not just a limitation, but it directs how you're writing and creating the games that you make, right? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Quinn, what about you? What's a constraint that you put on yourself uh, that helps you to get the job done? Um, now it's interesting. So like, I, I, I just want to like contrast sort of like my, I have like two modes, uh, like yeah. I've got like I'm doing my own thing, right. And I'm making something for someone else. Um, so, so what's lovely about making something for someone else. Why one reason I like freelancing, um, is people give you like a word count and like word counts are these weird things because often when I start a project, uh, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, uh, like when I was looking at spoken uh, on the song when that was like about a 40,000 word count. Right. And so I was like, when I start, I'm always like, Oh my God, how I don't have 40,000 words. I don't have 40,000 words to say about myself. What am I going to do about like this game? How, how am I going to write this stuff? Right. But always, always around about like the halfway to three quarters kind of thing. I'm sweating bullets the other way. I'm like, Oh my God, how, how am I going to do this in only like, <laughs> amount of words i'm like curse like i spend the rest of the time cursing the word count right but but always that word count is this sort of like it's almost this meditative kind of thing that keeps your sort of focus like you have to express yourself succinctly about these but but completely right mm -hmm. and and sort of that 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 helps sort of it, it forces you to figure out what's important and what is not um, and how to sort of get around that way. Now that that's that's a that's a thing where somebody else provides me the constraint. And thank you. Uh, now for for myself, when, when I'm making something, um, and this is a thing that that I've struggled with is like it's taking me lots of iterations on things. Um, I find that I'm most successful when I give myself. Um, I don't necessarily need to worry about a word count if I'm doing it myself, um, but. Uh, if I give myself like a constraint, like a scope constraint, like or like the stuff that I won't do, right? Like I'm not mm -hmm. going to include these kind of things in my game. I'm not going to make some comprehensive subsystem. I'm going to focus on this one aspect, like completely, uh, and then, um, and then and then focus towards that, and that will keep me uh, focused. Because because a lot of times for me, uh, the way my mind works, I, I could just imagine things for days and keep adding and adding and adding and, and, and it will just never get done. Um, but if I go, if I tell myself there are a bunch of things that I can't do, um, then it, 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 it helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, before we move over to Paul, uh, I don't know why you'd need 40,000 words to tell us about yourself. Cause you just need like, what, like Quinn Murphy is awesome. That's four <laughs> words. Dude. That's all you need. You have like a whole bunch of words left over. Uh, Paul, how do you use constraints? What is an effective type of constraint for your style of writing and work? Yeah, um, I want to, uh, I kind of want to pick you up back off of uh, what Quinn was saying. Um, well, he is awesome. The, so. the dichotomy of, you know, the stuff I'm doing for myself versus the stuff I'm doing freelance for other publishers. Um, the thing that The thing that really helps me when I'm working for someone else is that they will give me a deadline. They will say, if you do not have this many words done by this date, we are not going to pay you. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is the uh, that is the uh, motivation that I need um, <laughs> for for my own projects. Uh, I have a very difficult time doing that for myself. Um, but uh, in particular, with the my most recent game, um, uh, Crashing Beasts and Crumbling Halls, I had been working on that for a while. And then, uh, you know, there was always something else I could add. It's like, oh, I could have a sample adventure. Oh, I could have a big chapter full of monsters. Oh, I could have all these magic items. And it got to the point where I, I just said, you know what? I'm never going to finish this if I keep saying I could just add X. I could just, I, I need to do Y. So it was at a point, um, you know, I, I, I folded in a like one change that was just enough to go, okay, 
that's the box. It's it's the box is filled now and I can put it out there and somebody else can open it and tell me whether it's any good or not. Um, and then that also opened it up the possibility for me to expand on the game with auxiliary material. I've been doing a monthly zine on my Patreon where I supplement the game with all of that stuff that I said, oh, I could just do X. Oh, I could just do Y. Oh, I could just do a piece of X this month. I could do a piece of Y next month. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped me uh, sort of plot out a whole string of content. That's a great way of doing it. So you've basically, um, you know, giving yourself a limit, saying the box is this big, that's all that's going to fit in there. But I have this this trail that I can leave breadcrumbs on through Patreon so that people who liked what I did can come get more every month. Mm, exactly. uh, and then all those ideas that you had, they get turned into breadcrumbs instead of, you know, being part of the sandwich, which <laughs> I think is an awesome way of thinking about it. Uh, because you're right, as creatives, we're almost never done. We almost never feel satisfied with what we've done. And, you know, it's like it, we could design for days, but somebody somewhere is saying ship it. Um, and if we're not, uh, you know, working for free uh, as a freelancer or for a publisher, that's having that creative control, or at least the, the project management control, uh, it gets real hard. Um, one of the things that I do personally is I create that scope document right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, it's called a vision document, the way that I do it. And I think about what is this game trying to evoke? What feelings, what experiences are we going to evoke? And then from there, it's like, does it do that? You know, um, I, all, I also am very much in the mind of thinking about things like products, uh, because that's what happens after, you know, 15, 20 years in the industry, everything becomes a product. And so, you know, what dollar value will this have? What box will this fit in? Who will buy this thing? All become relevant questions in terms of, just like Mo was saying, you know, who's the audience dictates what this thing is going to be? You know, is it going to be this 30-page rule book or is it going to be a five-page rule or is it going to be a one-page rule book? All depends on the audience and that then dictates, you know, a whole bunch of stuff about the game. Mm -hmm. So I, I like what you all are saying in terms of the boundaries that you're setting for yourself or that you have imposed upon you. Um, Paul, when... Has that failed? Has that ever failed for you? I've, has it been like, uh, this is a fantasy heartbreaker now because I poured my entire life into it? That ever happened to you? I have so many projects in various stages of, uh, of development that I've just let go like on and on and on for so long um, that at this point, I, I, I kind of have had to abandon some of them not like not like abandon but like be like i'm not realistically going to have the time or the brain cycles to devote to this and anything approaching the near future um and uh i i'm i'm slowly learning how to accept that like i don't like letting my babies die basically <laughs> you know yeah who, who does <laughs> yeah but uh yeah um there, there, there are ideas that I will always have with me and I can come back to them if I figure out what the box looks like to go back to that. Mm. Yeah, so It's a good analogy, you know, having limits, like the box is this physical limit and what would go in that box, right? Quinn, when we were in the green room, you were saying that you had a cautionary tale. Is now the time yeah. for that tale? All right, everybody sit around the campfire. Uh Uncle and, Quinn and, is about to tell us. Uncle, Uncle, and, Uncle, Uncle Quinn's about to tell you a, a, a lurid, sorted, no, not sorted, uh, but, but a, a scary tale, uh, uh, the tale of Five Fires. So Five Fires is a game um, that I made. Um, I actually, uh, one of my uh, first major play tests was at Metatopia. Um, shout out to Metatopia. Um, yeah. And it was it was great, and it was like really you know popular. It was like uh, you know it was a, a Five Fires is a, basically an RPG about hip hop. Right. And you play like a crew in sort of like, you know, sort of like 80s era um, kind of uh, hip hop, you know, sort of like we, we you, you, you make your own city. Right. But it's inspired by uh, the way I, I would the TLDR description, uh, how I think of it is like Beat Street, the RPG. Um, Beat Street is like the king of the beat. You see them rocking yeah. that beat from across the street. Aha. 
Yeah, for, I mean, there, there are other hip hop movies, but for me, like Beat Street is like the quintessential uh, one. Sure. Um, and and um, you know, and 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 as a game, it like actually worked pretty well. But then it was like, oh, how do I? You know, there is uh, especially at the time. Um, it, it it might be easier to sort of develop and have a more of an audience sort of now. Um, uh, but like about like uh, this was this is like eight ten years ago. Um, when I did it, there wasn't like the same kind of audience. There wasn't the same sort of a lot of things for it. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how to um, sort of do outreach, how to, um, you know, uh, make it for the kind of people I, I wanted black people to play this game. So I wanted to sort of make it accessible to, to them. Uh, how did I sort of communicate this other stuff? How do I do the history? And I, and I just had all of these things that I added and felt like need to be perfect. Um you know, because there wasn't like a really a game like it out, and I felt like the, this intense pressure to to make it these these things, and um, you know, I, and I would put it down, and then I would try and pick it back up. Oh, I've got a new idea, and I, and I kept adding things to it, and adding things to it, and, and not just ideas, but pressure, expectation, right? And you were just like, it was just like yeah. imagine, imagine, imagine you have this plate. Right, and and you're at a buffet, but you don't get to control going through the buffet. The buffet is just a conveyor belt, and it puts things on your plate, right? And then when it's done, you're like, you can pick up the plate, but like your plate's like a hundred pounds now, right? Like you can't even get it back to your thing, and th- and that's what it ended up being. It was just this pile of stuff, and and eventually, I, and I and I've been designing other things. I've been working on other stuff and trying to come back to this thing, and and it became this source of like pain and 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 i will just say this game it functionally worked you can play it um it's it's pretty good if i say so myself um and really just need a bit more polish but i couldn't even approach it to finish it so i eventually just kind of like took off the copies of the internet like i just put it away um so i so i could close the loop and move on um and then just sort of take the lessons from it it's literally your Moby Dick. Yeah. It is your white whale. Um, yeah. And that's too bad because it sounds awesome. Sounds yeah. super, super awesome. I mean, I'll do an, I'll, I will do like a sort of a Mark II of that at some point, but it's just like put it to rest for now. Yeah, I would hope to see it when, when you said five fires and then it's like, oh, hip hop. And that now it's, it, it makes total sense. And it's like, oh, okay. Now I want to play this game. I'm a huge hip hop head. So it's like that, that is something that I want to see out there. So please, please, please do make that. Put some constraints on yourself before you start, though. <laughs> oh, well, one, uh, one thing uh, I yeah. just want to add super quick um, when we were talking about like, like kind of writing out the box and stuff. One thing I really enjoyed about working with Paizo is that when you work with their developers, they, they basically, they don't don't only hand you a word count. Um, they hand you like a, a spec, like a kind of like, hey, here's the kind of things we want. We want you to sort of hit these things. It's like a, a sort of a, a initial outline, and then from there you make an outline with like this, like how you're going to implement it, and then that's sort of your guideline. And then you, you know, we're like, and I found that process for me to be like deeply focusing. I'm going to actually steal it for my own, yeah, things. So, so it's like a workflow. It. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Mo, what about you? What uh, Do you have any horror stories of when constraints have gone wrong or lack of constraints has gone wrong for you? Um, I just, I have two. Uh, both of them are really t- relatively brief. I have a one where it's a, it's a topical constraint. Um, I came to Metatopia in 2019 with a Descended from the Queen game called A Bullet in the Blank. You play Western Desperados. Um, who are having some, you know, uh, tear therapy at the barrel of a gun. And you figure mm-hmm. out if you're going to walk away and go get a drink or if you're going to shoot each other. And, you know, it, it it generated tons of raucous laughter. And, you know, like people were like, I, I really want to play this at a bar with a cocktail, you know, and talk trash and all this other stuff. And, you know, uh, I think at least in the states, we're in a space where um, I don't know if people really want to talk about a fun game about um, bullets and blanks. <laughs> you know, um, suddenly uh, uh, police shootings are in the news, and gun violence is in the news, and you know, um, a young lady just got killed on a film set, and it's just like 
every time I think about, well, maybe it's it's things have cooled off. <laughs> you know, it's like America shoots somebody and it gets in the news, and so um, it kind of doesn't matter how fun the game is. I don't know how uh, how palatable it is to some. Um, right. I also have a kids card game that uh, you know, I'm trying to have it published in the United States. That is have it uh, manufactured in the United States with arts and a map insert. <laughs> and that seems to be a very tall order. Um, it it to, is to in America. <laughs> it really right, is, you unfortunately. Know? And so, you know, it's just really been a question of, uh, do you do those breadcrumbs and drive traffic to your site, let people download it? Um, you know, it's it's for little kids learning math, and so there's a certain point where you know this map's going to be destroyed anyway. So that that's definitely a thing to do. But um, you know that that's a technical constraint that I'm trying to get my way my my head around. That is really interesting. So um, working on Avatar Legends, I can tell you that the current state of being in the world, uh, lack of paper is a is a huge constraint the shipping constraint is a huge constraint right now um there are companies that can't produce the volume of books that we need for avatar legends um and america just isn't up to par with uh china unfortunately in terms of manufacturing uh these types of products so even at like a higher price point they're still not going to get the same quality, unfortunately. So those are constraints right. that are very real-world constraints that we have to deal with as well. Um, so I'm going to ask you again, Mo, uh, what is what is your favorite constraint to put on yourself? What is something you, you start off every project saying, this is the constraint that starts it all off? What is that constraint for you? Um, my, my favorite constraint is probably just trying to differentiate products in the market. Um, currently, I'm working on a Holdfast Station. And, you know, there was definitely a question of, well, why does this one more RPG need to exist in the world? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so me and my design partner, uh, Michael Lowe, we decided um, we're going to make this a zero prep RPG. And so this is a game you can play when that one person didn't show up for your campaign and you, you want to play something, you could pick this up and have a three hour session and it's amazing. And so um, that started to beg the question, how do you do that? You know, and um, do you break the form of the RPG uh, book? Do you tell people to do things in a, in a, in a specific way? Um, even though some GMs are going to feel talked down to, and other GMs are going to be encouraged to do this maybe for the first time. So just kind of threading this needle of like doing something new and making it work. Um, that those, those are the ones I like. Um, the cool. ones I don't like are, you know, um, the thing we want to do just doesn't have a profit margin that works. <laughs> that is not a fun one. That's not a good constraint. No, you're right. Uh, Quinn, what about you? What's a constraint that you particularly like other than word count? Um, well, I, I, it's, this is sort of like uh, adjacent to that, um, but uh, it, it's something I find I, I need helps me get going on the project is like workflow, right? It's, yeah. like, it's like, like I know I'm working on a project when I've like, uh, you know, like I have at this point, like a real process of how I do things like I like okay I like sit do free writing then I like you know start putting stuff like I open up like a mirror board I start like you know throwing up notes and then you know start doing writing and like getting like, like when I'm doing that I get projects done when I don't do that they drift <laughs> for, for lack of a better word yeah I have an automatic word count um count calculator uh, that keeps me on track. It's like, you need to write a thousand a day and it counts down and it's the best thing ever because if I didn't have it, I would not know if I did or not and I wouldn't do it. Um, Paul, what about you? Uh, I, I remember you saying that you like deadlines. What's another uh, constraint that you would automatically want somebody to give you or you would want to put on yourself and sometimes might forget, but you should put on yourself. What's the one that makes you um, work the best? To be perfectly honest, um, it's 
like picking a genre, picking a like the the fictional constraints of the design because I come from I come from a background. I'm I'm a people who know me on on Twitter and whatnot whatnot know I'm I'm a big proponent of of generic systems like uh, like Fate or like uh, GURPS. Um, hmm. which are these big toolkits and proclaim to be able to do vast numbers of different genres. And it's like, yeah, cool. That's great. Now I have to narrow it down. So I know ex- actually what I'm doing with all of that material, you know, cause you can't just, you can't design for everything. So you have to pick what am I actually designing for? And that's sometimes something that I forget <laughs> because I love, <laughs> oh. because I love those generic rule sets uh those toolboxes so much so and so you're talking about like narrowing down the thematic the world that you're building and the, the mm-hmm. themes yeah. that you're wanting is to about, yeah you 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 have you have to ask yourself um and i think i think you you mentioned it earlier uh having you know what are the emotional uh goals of the design that's sort of a constraint that 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 you put that's that's the sort of thing like is this uh is this creating you know, what, what, what experience am I shooting for? And I can't have everything feed into that. So I have to choose the things that actually do most strongly. Mm -hmm. And I find that's a really big strength of modern RPGs is that you're, you might be not telling as broad a story as, you know, a a rambling seven year campaign arc, but you're telling a really damn good story about one or two things. And I think the modern RPGs or whatever you want to call them, um, they've really nailed that on the head where you can really pinpoint what is this actually doing? What are we actually talking about? So I have a theory, if you want to hear it, (laughs) I'll just tell you anyways, of uh, experiential game design. So I think of experiential game design as a house and the roof is the experience because that's what we see from, you know, far away, the roof. And then the walls, the four walls are made out of your theme and your mechanisms. And the other two walls, because you're saying, Sen, how does a house stay up with just two walls the other two walls are the theme and the mechanisms talking to each other so informing each other and i really find that helps me to constrain my design when i think of okay what's the experience and then i go from there to say okay what mechanics resonate with that experience what theme resonates with that experience Mm -hmm. because it's not always the same thing uh and so I'm, i'm I, I use that a lot uh, to help me to help guide me in terms of constraints and play things like that. Um, Paul, have you ever entered a contest, like design contest or anything like that? Something that had a set constraint on it. You're going to write a one pager about, you know, cats, and then. So yeah, um, this this actually steps a little bit outside of analog game design, but I've actually started learning how to do digital game design uh cool. i I've, I've been learning a uh it's called a, a fantasy console uh it's called pico 8 basically okay. it's uh it's a software package that sort of pretends that it was an 8-bit console from the 80s like an nes or or That's whatever awesome. so all of your programs have to fit into 32k of memory you can only use 16 colors at a time all oh of my these God. constraints yeah constraints really great great wazoo. yeah yeah and the very first game i created with it um was for a game jam where above and beyond all of the constraints of pico 8 your program had to fit into 1024 characters in the code editor and you couldn't use the sprite editor you couldn't use the sound editor all you could do was in your code that's really super interesting so i I made i made a snake game just because i knew the premise and the concepts of how to program something like that from years ago but i was learning the the thing and i fit it into about a thousand characters and it was really satisfying to do that um and there's actually a much more elaborate version of it on my on my itch page now but uh yeah that was that was those constraints were so energizing because it's just like how do i it's like okay i do all this stuff oh crap i'm like 20 percent over my (laughs) over my limit how do i pare this down and the i that's not even like there are people that will fit entire pico 8 games into tweets wow the optimization for these but like finding ways to like pare down and pare down and pare down i think that's a lesson that that can even be brought back into an analog design oh 100 well. like when you said you know nobody likes to kill their babies that is the 
probably the, one of the number one pieces of advice that I give people. It's like, you might need to, you know, cut some stuff out before you add stuff back. We're really good at additive synthesis. We're really bad at um, subtractive synthesis, right? So um, that whole Pico 8 thing sounds ridiculously amazing because um, when you can make something out of all those constraints, that says something about your chops as a designer, right? When you have the world open to you and you have every single resource, you know, almost overwhelming, right? It's like this big, dark nothing. But when you get this constraint, sometimes it's comforting. Um, what about you, Quinn? Have you ever done a contest before? Um, I have not done a contest, um, but like one a similar sort of constraint um, thing that I did was um, I have a um, I have a game called uh, It Wants Souls in the uh, Ultimate Micro RPG book out and it's like a horror game and um so doing that thing is like you know uh I ne I've, uh, I've not done a rpg that small before ever right. um and you know and then for like a horror genre thing um you know it's there to symbolize that sort of classic horror thing of like a family moves into a house and there's some entity who wants you know who wants to devour their souls or whatever um and i found that uh similar to sort of what paul was talking about um trying to evoke and, and going to that sort of uh, evoking an, uh, an emotion. Uh, They're trying to do that in such a small footprint. It was actually, it was, it was super hard. Um, mm. It took me like a while. Like I spent a lot of time thinking, trying to find what that way to kind of evoke this sort of thing, trying to, uh, have an incursion into the lives of these people. Uh, and then once I, but, but it was interesting because once I found it, um, it was like the rest was very easy to write, right? Like it was like, okay, poof, like, you know, wrote it really quickly. Uh, but it, like I spent most of my time like searching for it. Um, and and it, it, it ended up being like a thing of communication of like basically uh, to symbolize that sort of outside influencer um, during certain scenes, uh, during uh, certain parts of it, they are literally not uh, allowed to speak to the other players. So they're like the demon watching. Ooh. And then they, and then only only when the demon's going to like attack is it allowed to speak to any of the other players during the game, right? And then, but that that took like for because it's, so, it's it's so against the rules yeah. of RPGs that it took forever for me to find. Um, so it was like, I was thankful for that constraint of words because yeah. I never would have gotten it otherwise. Yeah. It's so interesting how constraints can actually bring out the best in us as designers. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times like, um, there's a big thing in, or it's actually a small thing in board gaming. It's like mint tin games. So how can you fit a whole game in a mint tin, like an Altoids tin? Mm -hmm. And like, everybody's like, Oh, what if I could? And how would I do that in a mint tin? So constraints really do bring out the best in some designers. Mo, what about you? Have you ever done any contests or something similar to that? We had a um, constraint put on as, you. As a dad who's trying to stay married with a day job, I I can't <laughs> go for all the bait that yeah, is yeah, uh, yeah. our game jams. But my design partner, uh, Michael Lowe, he uh, designed uh, a game, Zero Samurai which is mm -hmm. kind of the conceit of seven samurai. But if no samurai, show up to help, <laughs> no samurai show up to help the village, you play the villagers who oh, are um, that's awesome. who mm -hmm. are using non-necessarily petty uh, skills to kind of survive the bandits. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of working on that was like really interesting. And, you know, he, he, he wrote and designed the game you know, uh, it's a beautifully written game. Uh, it's almost uh, got this um, narrative quality because his grandfather-in-law actually worked with Kurosawa on a bunch of mm. his films. Mm. So, like, like it, it, it's 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 this real real cool conversation between the generations and like how like their screenwriting process applies to RPGs and the collaborative process of storytelling. Um, but uh, I help with some of the mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, you know what? I think we might be ready for questions from the audience, if there are any. Lucas! We're calling Lucas in. Are there no. any questions? Uh, hey. Not anything specific at the moment, but I can definitely uh, send some to you if needed. 
Mm -hmm. sure. is more and more talking about how the model you were talking before about before Zen and the use of genre as a constraint, especially in combination mm. with multiple genres, uh, more just discussion about that. Sure. Well, we, we can talk about that. Um, why don't we talk about that panel? So uh, in terms of genre as a constraint, uh, so I'm going to uh, pick on each of you because uh, the genres are apparent for some things. So uh, I'm going to go to Quinn because so in the genre of hip hop, hip hop as a genre, A, uh, I don't think that's really been done before in any big thing that I know of, but how does the, the genre of hip hop add a constraint uh, to the game's design mechanically, thematically, you know, product, audience, all those things. What do you think? Well, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's interesting because like when we talk about sort of a genre as uh, a constraint, there's like, I feel like even more aspects of that constraint, like there's sort of like uh, sort of facets to it. And, and one of them is um, expectation. Right. When, when I get when, when, when I'm doing some when I'm engaging in some sort of genre, uh, the, the medium of it, I expect certain things. Right. Yes. You know, I expect different things from fantasy than I expect from sci fi than I expect from hip hop or or any of these other things. And so. Like for, for, for me, I, I, I like to look at the expectations for a first, whether I'm going to follow them or defy them or, or whatever I'm going to do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of times when you say to the like uh, for a hip hop RPG, you're like, oh, it's a hip hop RPG and people um, it, it's it's funny because a, a lot of people, uh, not usually people very actively involved in the uh, genre, um, expect kind of a focus on topic matter. Right. Of like, oh, it'll be like, you know, there'll be, you know, crime and it'll be tough and it'll be this other kind of, you know, like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave that where it is. Uh, but. For for me, um, I think when I think of hip hop, what, what I think of it, my, my uh, expectation, I think most people uh, who are like really into it, um, see it, uh, have this expectation of expression, right? Um, it is, I, I, I don't really think arguably like the most um, kind of like lyrically dominant form of like music it, it, that is, and it's so much about, so much of it is about people saying like their life experiences, where mm -hmm. they stand, who they are, right? Um, it's, you know, language of sort of people not normally given a voice to expressing themselves, expressing themselves, um, you know, forcefully, you know, rhythmically, you know, powerfully, uh, however they feel like. And so, um, you know, for, for, so, so for me, when, when I try and work with something based on hip hop, I, I first look at how is it a vehicle of expression? Right. So like in the five fire game, whilst people are like, oh, you should have like these things I was like, nope, I don't want any of that. I actually don't de don't deal with any of those topics. I uh, without like getting sort of too deep into it. But like the core mechanic of the game was how you take stress, like you live like your your, your kind of character's life, you deal with their problems and mm -hmm. then you accumulate stress. And then by expressing the stress in like different art forms like uh you know hip-hop or break dancing or other stuff you like they're kind of a mechanic for expressing these things and yeah. then you get rid of the stress so it's brilliant yeah so you're you're not only meeting some expectations you're probably also subverting some expectations at the same time right which mm -hmm. is very cool uh mo what about you uh in let's say the 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 pistol game the bullet at a blank game what kind of kind of expectations are there from that thematic genre of western it's really funny because um i noticed one of the weaknesses of the game was that there is almost a generational divide <laughs> where some people actually know what a western is and some people don't um in that um uh, descended from the queen kind of way uh the cards generate who your character is as you draw cards and answer questions. Yes. And um, I definitely ran into some millennials who um, you know, didn't know why they were mad at you about what happened in Dodge City. And it seemed that there was almost a scale where like the older you were, the more you were just familiar with the, the, the tropes yeah, those cultural Western. touchstones, right? Right. And um, so I I had to do some scaffolding to get people up. And 
um, you know, the first couple attempts at that were kind of inelegant. It's like, okay, we're going to have a a a, a card along with the X card on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's a card that reminds you that horse thieving and home wrecking <laughs> are topics you may want to indulge in. And um, yeah, uh, I think kind of my biggest personal constraint is uh, probably uh, engaging in games that are kind of non-colonialist. You know, I like games mm -hmm. that where you lean into the place that you are as opposed to going out to conquer another place. Um, and I didn't know that until I listened to a Metatopia panel and like gain, you know, <laughs> language to even talk about this thing. But, you right. know, I, I'm, I'm so much more interested in home and, you know, a lot of people have said of my games, you know, idea that, you know, EVP is, is, is problematic because you need each other. They thought that was suddenly a innovative uh, you know, thing in RPGs. And I'm like, oh, sorry to, that you think this is new. <laughs> uh, Paul, what about you? So your your game, Crashing Beasts and Crumbling Halls, is, is very much like a dungeon crawler. Uh, mm -hmm. So how do you use the, the thematic resonance and the constraints that are inherent of, you know, oh, it's just another D&D &D thing, but it's not. Right. So how do we how do you subvert that? How do you change that? How do you break those molds when the constraint seems to already, you know, prejudge what this game is going to be? Um, with that with that design, um, a lot of the a lot of the power uh, to sub to subvert and bend those those expectations, I think, comes from uh, I'm using the uh, fate system, specifically mm -hmm. the, the fate condensed uh most recent uh iteration of it so like you have things like uh you know aspects your characters have these these traits that define them but so does the dungeon so does you know the campaign so like you can set at the big you know the you go into a, a into a dungeon and it's going to have these overarching themes that are encapsulated in its aspects um that can be uh, compelled against the players to create complications for them based on what the dungeon is trying to say essentially um and uh in in addition um so dungeon fantasy is often very focused on acquiring things on getting more mm -hmm. gear on getting better stuff and that's in there you every character has you know one of their stunts is a piece of gear that's important to them but you don't track money you get what are called wealth boosts when you get uh when you get a big load of treasure we don't care what it is you just say you've 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 got a pool of of wealth boosts that you can spend like fate points to right. to do things and it's just because you got cool stuff tell me what the cool stuff is when you tell me how you're using the boost so oh cool so there's a little so there's less of the you know pointless tracking of encumbrance encumbrance is one of my most hated mechanics in D D. um and then all counting the gold down to electrum and silver and copper also yeah. not fun uh so you've taken a lot of that stuff out by kind of you know no ungranular granularizing is that even a word uh the money system abstract then, abstracting it yeah, yeah abstracting yeah um, um because maybe your game talks about something else other than that right yeah um, I wanted to actually uh, 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 speak on uh, again. Uh, Quinn said, "You know the expectations of the of the genre." Um, one sure. of the one of my designs. It's a game called Return True, and um, it's uh, it's a it's a, it's a game where you're playing people in a uh, in a near future where technology lets the people in charge essentially edit what you physically perceive about the world around you there. Um, so everyone has augmented reality. So you're wearing video glasses and you've got earbuds in and That's up. the, the wow. search engines can actually say, Oh um, yeah. Uh, this speech is blocked. You simply can't hear it. That person didn't pay their subscription. You can't see them. And we will oh. give you subconscious cues that guide you around them so you don't accidentally bump into someone you can't see. 
Wow. Oh my God. I, I just have to interrupt for a second. Google, you didn't hear that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> if you if you hear that, what genre would you say that is? Cyberpunk? I I I have I absolutely refuse to use the word cyberpunk to describe this game because everyone Good. has an idea of what cyberpunk is and yes. almost none of them match what my idea of this game is. So I don't yeah. want to use I don't want to hang that baggage on it. So that I think picking a genre brings a lot of expectations with it. So Yeah, like I, you were saying you, you want to figure out the fiction right mm -hmm. to drive the rest of the game very very important um lucas well, is there anything else people are discussing questions? yeah yep. uh yeah we have uh, one just asking about baseline how do you generate or discover novel constraints you know that ones that aren't used before that uh, that are non-traditional in some way or another mm -hmm. i know you've discussed cool. before but specifically on that yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Mo, is there any non-traditional constraint that you can think of that uh, you use or that you think is really creative and fun? Um, again, <clears throat> trying to create... Uh, right now, I'm, I'm just, you know, neck deep in games that are, you know, easy to GM, that don't require prep, that, you know, the players show up and uh, kind of use... Like a question answer model to like we're going to develop the world here at the table we're going to play a game and you know uh players are going to engage with the world building and and kind of handle some of the gming too um yeah. i think when you say let's create a game that doesn't require prep it just really um Know, start stretching the imagination it's like do we oh yeah wh what are we going to have in this game you know um it, it helps you i mean essentially it's almost bringing lines and veils into the game to a certain extent um, without calling them lines and veils yeah without calling them well and mechanizing lines and veils to actually be part of the game mm -hmm. um and so you know doing that in a way and also kind of using like clocks to kind of like wrap it up make it neat and make it a satisfying you know gaming experience um but when you say that all right um you're you're you're, you're assuming a certain burden <laughs> and then you're just you know you try to find your way out of this you know painted corner as it were hmm. so one of my favorite constraints is uh i like games where people make things that they then have and can look at and remember the game by. Anything from like a really nice player sheet to a map they drew to, um, you know, the one that's currently on Kickstarter for us, which is an exquisite crime, which is a drawing one where you draw uh, things that you fold out because it's like we'll all contribute to the drawing. And that's one of the characters in the story now. Uh, and I had friends who played this was a, with us and they keep their drawings by their desk so they can just look at them and remember the good time they had. Right. And that's what I want to want to do is like mementos and tokens and keepsakes in my game. So that is one fun constraint that is kind of novel. You know, I think, uh, you know, myself and banana do it. Uh, Gion, uh, Shim does it, uh, Shinkor, uh, does it. So there's a couple of us who are really into that crafting stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we like paper crafts. We like all sorts of stuff. So there you go. Uh, what about you, Quinn? What's what's something that you think is really an interesting and fun mm -hmm. novel constraint that you've maybe mm -hmm. never seen before? Yeah. Um, so I, I think um, so, so, so I just want to talk briefly on just like sort of like finding kind of uh, like those non-traditional sort of constraints uh a process i like to use like obviously like research right like if you like you know if, if you're like looking to innovate like definitely read a bunch of stuff right um and but then also uh for myself i do like a like i have a whole like a pre-design process where i like generate a bunch of stuff and then start like asking questions and sort of interrogating this like what if like you know like oh that's neat but what if i did this but didn't do this right like and start yeah. sort of posing that that's a good way to because because uh, like when i was talking about the um uh the it wants souls right that's sort of basically the process i used is like come up with that not talking 
kind of thing. And, and for, for me, um, my favorite kind of, um, a, a lot of place where I come up with, um, sort of what, what would be sort of non-traditional constraints is, uh, by looking at RPGs as a conversational medium, right? Um, is that like, cause RPGs are conversations, right? They, they're yeah. most of our rules and stuff are for, for how we talk, right. And what we talk about. And so, um, one way that you can really get to the heart of affecting the experience is to change how it to, is to give instructions on how to talk right or how or what not to say or what to say or when to say it right mm. you can alter you can alter uh, by by altering the conversation in this way you alter the inherent nature of playing the game um which is uh again one of the things that i love about rpgs like you can change how you think you can change how you talk and you change the game like i i can talk about i can talk about gear god of war however much i want but like it is still the game and i can think about it however i want but it is still the what they produced right but yeah. like any other games that we like rpgs that we play those things will actually change the result and that's that's awesome hmm. yeah what about you paul what's one of your favorite novel interesting types of constraints that you don't think people use much uh, well I, I i wouldn't say that that people don't use it much i think so i think there are many people that um what I like to look at is what you were, you mentioned, uh, uh, mint tin games yeah. earlier. Uh, I, I love looking at the way people use things, use the components of a game in novel ways. Um, I, I, I think, I think people can get too complacent. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to have dice, you know, you're going to roll 2d6 or you're going to roll, you know, a handful of d10s or whatever. Um, I, I, th I, I love novel resolution mechanics i love no novel ways to manipulate objects um you know it's like what happens if you you know you have a bunch of dice and they're you know some of them are different colors and you put them in a bag and you pull random colors out and the colors mean different things and mm -hmm. uh, you have to assign them to different boxes on your character sheet depending on how you want the action to resolve and all of those things just just fascinate me and i think there are people out there doing those kinds of uh of experiments with 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 things you know it's like oh, okay what's how does a game play differently if you know you've got a you know standard poker sized card versus you have the more room of a tarot sized card or uh you know all of these things like and sometimes i worry that that these things that i love are too uh they're too reliant on being in a physical space with one another. Like the pandemic has really made yeah. everyone step back and go, wait a minute, people can't always be together. What if, you know, how do we translate this? How do we do interesting things digitally as well? Quinn looked digital, like, yes. Yeah, oh, digital has been uh, like, you just brought up like, like digital online has actually been a very interesting constraint. Constraints, that people yes. have been doing interesting things with. Yeah. It's why Alice is Missing did so well in a lot of yeah. ways, right? Alice mm -hmm. is Missing is a phenomenal game, uh, Spencer Stark, that requires you just to text. Like, you're not talking to the people that you're playing with. And it's mm. perfect for, apparently, this world we currently live in. Right, and it uses, hey. a, digital, it uses a digital and the conversational constraints. Hey, Paul. Sorry, sorry no, you're going yeah, So how do you, how do you feel about um, designing a game that requires 10... Um, d10s that are five different colors and um giving someone a pdf or a hardcover book and saying um these dice are required um yeah like, this that's... has always been a challenge of mine absolutely um it's 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 one of those things it's like you know why do so many games use d6s it's because everybody's mom had yahtzee in the closet mm -hmm. like it's it's a hard it's a hard nut to crack um, and like, I would love to be able to say, oh, you know, we should all just be able to make box sets that have the dice in them that people can buy affordably, but that's absolutely not possible these days. I know right. box, box sets are real expensive. So yeah, they're nice. They're fancy, but they're expensive. But one last I, yeah. question from chat before yeah. I think we'll have to wrap up. We have about six minutes sure. left. 
so one, just asking, have any of you had constraints changed on you while in a project or changed your own constraints in the midst of a project? And how did it affect design and release of that project? So I'll, I'll start with this one just because. Uh, so Kickstarter creep is a thing. Um, oftentimes we'll have designed the full game presented it to the publisher, the publisher, you know, signs it and we go and then they go to Kickstarter and they add stretch goals. The stretch goals has, have not necessarily been designed uh, because who knows if they're going to get made. But then you have the super exciting, wonderfully uh, funded Kickstarter. You know, you're making like, you know, six figures, sometimes even seven figures on your Kickstarters. And all of a sudden you have to develop all these this content because there are now new constraints and each of those backers becomes a constraint in themselves. If you've ever run a Kickstarter, you know what I'm talking about. Um, what about you? Uh, Mo, let's start with you. Um, what is a constraint that may have changed in the midst of your design? Um, I kind of have the fortune of designing for myself. I, I unfortunately haven't been hired to do games like some of you. <laughs> and um, so for me, it just be, has come down to you know, page count, um, you know, your, your Kickstarter raised X amount of money and that's how much money you got to spend. And, you know, that's, that's just really the brass tax of it. Um, I haven't, like I've only developed a couple games, so I haven't stumbled into this yet. And you know, I'm not cavalier enough to show up uh, saying I have something that I want to write, which will then in turn, you know, affected by future shipping costs, et cetera. Right. So, um, you know, my big thing was uh, I wanted to add custom dice to my Shibuya Knights game. I went and got custom dice made, and then I found out that if you ship a book, it's book rate. If you ship a book with dice, it's box rate. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so, you yeah, know, those those kind of things can make or break a company. Like literally, you could go out of business because you were too successful and your shipping cost too much. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Paul, what about you? What's uh, has anything shifted on you? A constraint that was placed on you at the last minute or anything um, like that? I so. A few years ago, I was um, uh, I joined a, I joined a team. Um, so uh, Atlas Games publishes a, a role playing game called Feng Shui, which is a Hong Kong action movie, uh, zany time travel, uh, cyborg apes, all this stuff. It's and, everything. <laughs> uh, it's everything to everyone. We hope. Um, but uh, I was I was brought on to uh, to contribute to a collection of of adventures and it was going to be you know like a uh color hardcover and there was going to be kickstarter and all of this stuff and um and uh the realities of of you know the timelines shifted and and then the format shifted and and uh, eventually uh my one my contribution uh was split out into its uh, uh as just a standalone book and now they're doing a subscription model where every quarter they release another one so mine came out over the summer and it's gorgeous but it started out as a section of a book and there was going to be a whole team and you know uh uh there was the possibility that we would collaborate with one another or or, or whatever and eventually it became a, a standalone thing and um i'm very happy with how it turned out but it was not it, do, it does not look like what it was originally supposed to look like at all. So yeah. did it make more work for you? Um, it, so it, it, not more work. The work was different. Okay. Um, it ended up, you know, uh, the revision process ended up looking different. I'd say, um, mu much of my work was actually, my original draft was actually done while it was still going to be a hardcover. Um, and then waiting, waiting for the revisions during that whole period was when the formatting shifts. So it needed to have some more, it needed to have pieces that, that, that hung on their own. more. Right. I get it. Cause it wasn't part of a thing. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, Quinn, can we yeah, get uh, an idea? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll make uh, make this uh, brief because we're running out of time here. Um, so, so mine, so so uh, mine is like a little bit of uh, a project where I put these constraints on myself to help me get it done. Was on the spoken on the song wind thing. So, like at about forty thousand words, um, like the scope of a project to at least for me like changes, right? Like I'd done about like I think the biggest thing I'd done was about twenty thousand words, and about like five ten thousand words you can kind of hold it in your head and sort of work on a thing. Um, then in about like, you know, uh, 20, you're like, okay, I should, you know, structure this a little bit more in about 40. Like you really like need something substantial and you need like, not only like the outline, but you need sort of a process for working. Right. And so like, I had to sort of put these sort of blinders on myself. It's like, okay, I'm going to work on uh, mechanics at uh, early in the day. I'm going to, you know, and then I will write like uh, more narrative text at night and sort of like I had to sort of like develop mid project these things to get it in on time. And like, thankfully whew, it worked. Um, <laughs> uh, but like I was sort of constructing the scaffolding and the constraints as I went. Um, it was, it was fun. Very cool. Well, that's it for today's topic of creative limitations. Uh, quickly, 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 where can we find you Mo? You can find me at ashyfeet.com. You can join the Discord for Holdfast Station and uh, get a playtest of the game. You can find um, Zero Samurai on Itch and Shibuya Nights where at Drive Through RPG. Great, uh, Paul. Where can we find you? Uh, I am at Paul Stefko on Twitter, uh, Patreon.com/slash/PaulStefko for my content. Uh, my site is NothingVenturedGames.com and my itch is NVG.itch.io. Great. And Quinn? Um, QH underscore Murphy on Twitter. Um, I've got a, a bunch of stuff um, that I've been writing for uh, Paizo lately. Um, and uh, uh, most recently uh, spoken on the song Wind. And uh, ThoughtCrimeGames.net is my site. Excellent. And I'm Sen Fong Lim at Sen Fong Lim on Twitter. See you all later. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you.